Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. What the hell's the name of this thing? The Ballsy Podcast. Hosted by the award-winning Evan Grant. This has been the most tense podcast I have ever done. Kevin Sherrington. You were working on typewriters this time. Barry Horn. I don't even know who you are anymore. Where were you last week? Get ready for the most listened to sports podcast in Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm Evan Grant, and this is Ballsy. I'm Kevin Sherrington, and in this episode, we'll be talking about colleges. And I'm Barry Horn. To hear our other exciting additions, simply subscribe to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. You know we're on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search Ballsy Podcast. That's Ballsy with a Z. So sit back, relax, that's relax with an X, and enjoy another edition of the college Ballsy with a Z Podcast. Hello, everybody, and before we get started, Barry, I want to give you some advice that we've gotten from listeners, from fellow broadcasters. I want you to ease off of the microphone just a little bit. I I, I believe, it's it's my sincerest belief that you are writing in under other people's names. Loud. You may be a little bit loud occasionally. You know what? To make a point around here, I have to. I want you to use your inside voice today. Oh, okay, Mr. NPR. We are joined. You know, Kevin's not here today in person, but he is, is he in here? voice. He's is he? the disembodied voice. Is Kevin, he? are you are you there? I was being uh, bored to death uh, listening to you guys talk. Well, now you know how we feel when you're here. Um, wow, that is so ugly. You know, and I want to say this about Barry. He is using his inside voice when he's yelling. Wait a minute, wait a minute. How is this ugly when you said the same thing? It's just quid pro quo. Why is it so, what? What? Because I'm just speaking the truth, and you guys are just being ugly. I see. Kevin, where are you? Where in Texas are you? Well, I think I'm in College Station. Where were you yesterday? I was in Austin yesterday. I'm making a tour. It's a Texas tour. Where would you rather be, College Station or Austin? Oh, now, don't say that. I don't want to get in trouble with all my friends out there. You have no Uh, friends. Where would you rather be? Uh, You know, it doesn't matter to me. It's okay. Okay. I have have good friends in both places. I think think if I know Kevin correctly, he'd rather be on Delroy Drive in Dallas, Texas. Kevin, where would you rather start today? Would you rather start in Austin or would you rather start in College Station? I'm glad I started in College Station because that's where I'm supposed to be today. And it was I drove over yesterday after I finished my column about uh, Texas and Charlie Strong and then came over here. It was not a pleasant drive either. i got to tell you, uh, getting out of Austin these days, I don't know if you've been to Austin lately, but uh, driving around Austin these days is just awful. Kevin, what was the mood at that Charlie Strong press conference you went to? You know, it was very odd, uh, because as I noted in the column, uh, the first thing you noticed coming in the door was Mike Perrin, the uh, the Texas athletic director, and uh, that was a little bit of a surprise to Charlie, too. He, uh, When someone brought it up at the press conference, he said, yeah, I, I ran into him when I was coming off the elevator. You know, uh, he, he's it's kind of like Groundhog Day. You don't see 
um, Mike Perrin very often. And so when he turns up, it, it kind of uh, it kind of makes a, a little bit of a, of, a, of a note of interest for everybody. So you know, it kind of made everybody nervous. I, I think you know, you, I've been to Charlie's press conferences before, of course, and and the thing that you you notice about him just in general is that no matter what the question, he's always very pleasant. I've never been around a coach more pleasant no matter what the question. You know, almost all coaches, if they've been asked, let's just take the other side of the equation this week, Bob Stoops. If people had been asking Bob Stoops about his future, about his job security, he would have, I'm sure, said, we're not going to talk about this week, we're going to talk about Texas. Uh, and that's how he would have conducted the press conference the entire time. Charlie took all the questions that everybody wanted to ask, talking about his job security, what was going on, what he thought. Um, and, you know, if they weren't always great answers, at least he did try to kind of confront the issues uh, that were involved. And there are a lot of issues going on. What? Listen, if the top of that issue thing is is the latest coordinator change, and I think seriously when when you're a defensive mind like Charlie Strong and, and you've now changed both coordinators – the second of which being the defensive coordinator, I think you've removed any potential uh, uh, buffers between you and and the actual uh, flames from from the from the burners. So, what does that mean, Evan? What are you talking about? Well, basically, well, it means he's on the hot I, seat. I think, I think I know what he's talking about. And here, here was the one issue. You know, everybody wanted him to get rid of, of Vance Bedford the you know, week before last. Uh, after the Cal game, and that this would have had the time with a week off to you know to get everything in place that he wanted to do. Look, the way I look at it is, is that if he gets rid of Vance Bedford and it doesn't get any better, well, doesn't everybody just say, well, then you need to go? So well, we, and that's what's have, that's what's happened now, right? I mean, there is no there. He's got no buffer. If there's not significant improvement, this is the last straw before he goes. It is. And the question is, does he go during the season? You know, and that's never happened at Texas. They've never fired a football coach in midseason. Um, yeah, so, but everybody's uh, lining up to get old Tom Herman. Well, they, they are. And here's the issue for me with that. I, you know, I know the LSU has already done that with last mile, but LSU had a completely different situation. They had Ed Orgeron there available to be the interim coach. You know, and no one's more eager to be the interim coach than Ed Orgeron. You know, uh, he was. He was practically shoving Les Miles out the door when that, when that was happening. He is America's and, best interim coach. Yes, he is, and and you know, of course, he was a he's been a head coach before, and uh, and so he he was a, a logical replacement. Let me ask you, who's going to be the re, the interim coach if Charlie goes? Uh, nobody. I, there's not a there's not a really attractive choice, is there? There's no, who who would be the guy well, on staff? I, I, how about Mac, Mac Brown coming out of the studio? Hush. Yeah, Matt. That that'd be great, wouldn't it? Matt come back for a yeah. Well, that would make it the, that much more convoluted. But who would be the guy? Is there a guy on staff who would be the guy? No, I mean you. You know, obviously you always want to think of you know. Usually in these situations, the coordinator gets the job, right? Well, you just demoted the the defensive coordinator because he was done such a bad job, uh, and they just hired the offensive coordinator, Sterling Gilbert, who's thirty eight years old, just got here. You're, you're there's no way. And when he's still trying to get his offense going, it's been pretty good, but it hasn't clicked, you know, for four quarters quite yet. So there's no way you'll get him that job. Uh, and there's not an older guy on the staff who's been around for a long time. Who's got experience as a head coach. That would be important, too. Yeah, you, you would think so. So there's nobody like that right now. So I, so as, as I wrote for today, you know, the, 
the thing for, for, to me is is that what could really be uh, distasteful for Texas is that what, let's say they've already made up their mind they're going to fire him, but they're just going to wait until the end of the season. Well, I don't think that Texas is going to beat Oklahoma this week. I still think Oklahoma's the most talented team in the Big 12. I don't know why they haven't been able to put it together. They, they kind of did last week against TCU, uh, and then they gave up 22 points in the fourth quarter, and then they blew that game. Uh, so it's kind of hard to tell whether they're really the best team or not. I think they are. So if Texas loses that game, that means they've got two losses in the Big 12. But after that, I could very well see Texas running the table uh, after after this week against Oklahoma. So then if they're 6-2, and two, that means they've won eight games. Are they really going to fire Charlie if he wins eight games? Um, was, I think that'd be hard to do. Was Charlie's big mistake at the very beginning when he hired his staff and – uh, he did not bring in anybody of note, any really big names. Uh, you know, bring in somebody and say, "Hey, you're, you'll be my defensive coordinator." He was too loyal, wasn't he, to to his well, people from Louisville? I, I think what you, what you hear is that he did not want Sean Watson, who was his offensive coordinator at Louisville, to be his offensive coordinator at Texas. What you hear is that he wanted to hire Tom Herman, and that that was going to cost uh, a lot of money to get him, and maybe that Steve Patterson wasn't willing to, to pay that. So I don't know if that's all true or not, uh, but I don't think there's any question. He probably didn't want to have Sean Watson, and he is very loyal to these guys. And, and, uh, and of course, he, he was anyway, not anymore. He's, he's made seven uh, changes now. Well, he's actually made six changes. One of his assistants left of his own volition. Uh, but that six changes is a lot to make when you're only in your third season. Of course, the flip side of that is, you, if you look at Texas history, a guy like David McWilliams was far too too loyal to his assistants, kept them too long, and that's one of the reasons why he, he got as much trouble as he did. So, you know, I, to me, the issue is not are you too loyal uh, or not. The, the issue is do you have good assistants. That's that's what you got to find out. Are, are they good or not? If they're not any good, then you need to get rid of them. So, Kevin, here's the thing that for me – is problematic in the whole Charlie Strong thing is that, you know, you fired an offensive coordinator uh, early on in your second year, basically. Um, your third year, you've you've taken on defensive play calling because of, of uh, to demote the the defensive coordinator. You're playing now for a, a, another AD. But you haven't even had the opportunity to have one full recruiting class mature. And I don't think that this guy could be viewed as that big a mistake that you would not give him the opportunity to take a full recruiting class from freshman through what should be a senior year. Was that a question, Evan? Yeah, it was well. It was a statement that I expected him to respond to, but clearly yeah, well, he did. I was didn't. waiting to see if you were finished. I was waiting to see if you were finished. I couldn't tell. Uh, yeah, if you're asking me, should Charlie get the gate uh, after three years or two and a half years or whatever it is? No, I don't think he should. I think he. I think that unless a, a coach has demonstrated he has ethical problems of some kind, <laughs> or you know, if you just completely bomb, if you go, you know, one and eleven at a big school like Texas, or or three and nine, or or something ridiculous like that. Then I think you should get four years. Um, and and so clearly Charlie's in his third year. He should get this, and I think he should get one more. So, so um, but I guess here's the I, question: I what, Why would why would all this pressure be on him? 
is it because it was such a divisive hire in yes. the first place? Yes, Evan. That's exactly that what Texas I never fully got behind this guy? Yes, Evan. That's correct. I think that's correct. I think that, you know, there, we, we know that uh, Red McCombs, uh, who has been a big benefactor at Texas and got uh, the School of Business named after him, and he's got a statue uh, down there at uh, Royal Memorial, uh, you know, he, he uh, from the very beginning, said, he didn't want Charlie Strong as his head coach. He thought he'd make a fine coordinator. He didn't want him as the head coach. He was he was the one pushing for John Gruden, which yeah, that was going to happen. Uh, so, um, and he came out in the San Antonio Express News yesterday saying that um, you know this uh, uh, he, the, the thought that you couldn't fire a coach uh, in midseason is preposterous. I did that when I when I owned the Vikings. I did that when I owned the Spurs. And if, if you've already made your mind that he needs to go, there's no sense waiting. You should go ahead and fire him. Well, he, as, as we noted, he, he already has it, you know, that he wants to do that. My question is this. It has been a very confusing uh, tenure for Charlie so far because we can't ever make anything of what happens. You know, he beats Oklahoma last year. He starts out 1-4, and four, beats Oklahoma. Now everybody thinks, all right, now he's turned the corner. Right. And then two weeks later, he, he loses to Iowa State. Right. He, he just can't do that. So this year he beats he beats Notre Dame, which, as it turns out, is not as good a win as everybody once thought it was. But it, it's it's still a decent win. And then you know then he loses the cow, and then he uh, you know he loses last week, and uh, and so we we see the and and, and in the process they're giving up you know they're averaging giving up fifty points a game in these losses or in, in, in the games in general. So uh, so there's not what you would expect to see from him, and and I think that there is. A, there is some residual problem with it. But, look, here's the deal. We can't really identify who it is that would be trying to push him out. Because right. at this point, Mike Perrin is a short-term athletic director. Right. You know, he's only under contract for two more years. So he came in as an interim after Patterson was pushed out. And, and so that, that's the role he's filling. But we really don't know how he feels. He's very tight-lipped and, and won't say anything. you got the, a new president in Greg Finvis who went out of his way to get Sterling Gilbert hired, he flew up there to, to close the deal so Charlie could get him. Does that sound like a president who's trying to get rid of his head coach if he was willing to do that? No, I don't think so. No, but on the other hand, it does. You do wonder if why the the head coach and the AD weren't the guys who were able to close that that deal at that point in time. Well, sure you are, uh, and, and I'm sure that makes some people a little nervous. But it, it does. I don't know that that they needed him to do that. He did it. I don't know if right. now Gilbert right. obviously said no at first. Then he said yes the second time. I don't know if he, why he said yes the second time. I'm, I don't think it was because of anything that Greg Pendens said. But it certainly did uh, show that he had uh, that he was backing his, his head football. The, he was, he Kevin, him, Kevin yes. is, there, is there one power broker, is there one po- person you can point your finger at and say this guy is calling all the shots? Or is no, it's not it now, and that's that's the issue. Since the death of Joe Jamail, with the passing uh, of Joe Jamail, yeah, there's a there's kind of a vacuum there. There is, and so we don't know where that. Is. You know what you hear is that you know it used to be Dallas. You know, in the old days, it was Mac Rankin in Dallas, and then later on, it was Tom Hicks, uh, and then there was a a Houston uh, faction led by Joe Jamail, and I, I I think probably that the power or the people who have the most uh, juice these days are probably still in Houston. I just don't know who they are, and I don't know that anybody else does either. I, frankly, that's the thing that, that we as reporters have to find out is, 
who's in, you know who's pushing all this stuff now? Who, who, who are the really power But but I also yeah, think it's hard you, to say because with the new president, you just don't know who has influence on the new president. But that's that is the other thing you run into now is with. I, I think that everybody viewed Joe Jamail, at least for the last few years, as the guy, the power broker who made or break, who made or broke the athletic department and their policy making. And now I think it's entirely possible that you've got all those factions fighting for for power and that and, and that it's more about them fighting for power than about necessarily what's best for the university. That could be, you know. Uh, I just don't know. You, you, you have to know who uh, the president is listening to, right? And and that's that's the issue. Well, I hope the president's uh, I not. Li- I hope the president listens to everybody, but I hope the president acts on his own. Well, you would think so. I mean, listen. And we mentioned Red McCombs a while ago. I don't think Red's got any juice left anymore. As much money as he has given, I think they look at Red. It's kind of like the, the cranky old man, get off my yard, uh, kind of boost. Kind of the, the, the Evan Grant. Of, the way uh, we view Barry is no, what I, I was about no, to say. No, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, because, you know, they didn't listen to him when, when they hired Charlie, so why would they be listening to him now? So I, I, I think that uh, – I don't think you can count him. I think we can rule him out probably. But, so uh, so we, have to, we have to find out who that is. So haven't the, haven't the Charlie Strong years thus far just been a continuation of the Mac Brown years? I remember in Mac's last couple – Max, last don't you're making a face at me, Evan. I'm waiting for you to talk. Oh, uh, maybe you have heartburn. But anyway, it, I, all I remember in Max's final years was he was always, you know, the offensive coordinator is no good. We we have to bring in a new de- defensive coordinator. Oh, he's no good. Is is the head coach a, a, a hostage of his coordinators? Well, they, they have been at Texas. They have been at Texas. You know, I always thought that Mac was as good as his defensive and offensive coordinators. You know, when he had good ones, they were very good. Look, one of the things that people will tell you the difference, probably the biggest difference between Charlie and Mac is that Mac was the great CEO. He was the CEO of all CEOs as college football coaches. I don't know if there was ever anybody better than that. And in many ways, as it usually happens, uh, the next coach is always the anti of whatever the, the uh, previous coach was, especially if he was kind of forced out. Uh, Charlie's not that at all. You know, when Charlie, when you ask Charlie a question at a press conference, he gives you the answer just like he was talking to a group of coaches. You know, when, when people are asking how in the world you got three kicks uh, blocked, three extra point attempts blocked, and, and he's explaining the, the, the gap control and the guard slid over and – and, he, and he's not doing it in a condescending way at all. But Mac never would have given an answer like that. Uh, right. and, and so that's, that's the difference between the two of them. And I think that that may be where some people are looking at this and saying, wow, this guy's not, he's not uh, Mac Brown. And they want that. Well, well nobody's Mac Brown. I, I never knew a coach who was uh, better in that role than, than Mac was uh, and, and then, or better at a press conference than Mac was. He may not always give you the answer you wanted, he sit down, uh, you know, when the game was over, and immediately just give you a, a, an overview of everything that just happened—the good, the bad, whatever it was. It was just phenomenal, which you know, to me, made him such a—it was a, a, a projection of what he was going to be as a, as a, a, a studio analyst. Well, he was just—he was a good spokesman, which is, you know, as you mentioned, CEO and spokesman are probably two of the more important. Uh, aspects of being a head coach in college football, really in the NFL today, and we'll get into this with on the Cowboys stuff in, in, in relation to Jason Garrett. But those are those are big those are big jobs, and they all you know. It's funny that fans and 
and, and donors focus on the coordinators, they don't want their head coach to sound like a coordinator. And it sounds like Charlie Strong talks in the in the same kind of words that a coordinator would, and so they're viewing him more as a coordinator than as a head coach and CEO. I think that's I think that's probably accurate. And I think the other factor here. Notice involved, how many times I'm right, Barry. He, he, he's been right. He's been, you've been pretty good today. Kevin, uh, Ke- Kevin is your your yes man, I think here. Sycophant, you, yeah. You pay. You're sycophant, uh, yeah. yeah the, the, one of the other factors here with Charlie that goes uh, unnoticed, uh, and and I I got this when he came from Louisville because you know I didn't I didn't know Charlie before, but I was uh, reading up on him a little bit when he got the job, and, and when the uh, the players at Louisville were um, really really uh, heartbroken that he left, and right. and, and that was. It was uh, unusual. You don't you don't see that much outpouring of you know of, of grief, uh, for lack of a better word, about a, about a head coach leaving. And one of the things that you find here at Texas is that they they love Charlie, uh, and that's what Brecken Hager uh, was talking about yesterday. Since people don't understand that you know if if he leaves, especially leaves at midseason, but he leaves at all. It's going to set the program back. You know, we all love him. We love him but, as a coach. But, we love but him you know what? You know what? You know what? Uh, you know what people love more? They love winning, winning on Saturday. Thanks, thanks, Barry. Well, well, and you know, and that's and that's what I said. You know, in the column, I said, you know, the, the deal is if these guys really want to save his job, they're going to have to start playing better because there's a there's a there's a disconnect there between what Charlie has been a, a great defensive coordinator at places like Florida. Uh, and then a, a, a really good head coach at a place like Louisville. Well, we haven't seen that so far at Texas. We haven't seen any of that. Uh, the guys look disorganized. They they don't the, on the field. Uh, the defense, especially, he's kind of got the offense going pretty well now. But you know, I would say you know he, he probably spends more time on with the defense than he does the offense. And he got himself a good coordinator, and so things are starting to look better there. I don't know if it'll it'll really be better with him as a defensive coordinator or not. You know, it's, it's hard to say. You know, the, the, the players say that, well, he, he does spend some time with us. He hasn't spent a lot of time with us on defense. And so, I mean, how much difference does it make? You know, the way, the way Charlie explained it yesterday was that, listen, these guys just need to relax. You know, and, and he, said very, he said very practical things like, you know, you know when, when a wide receiver has the football, and you are you are coming up to tackle, and you don't break down to make that tackle because with a wide receiver, as Charlie said, if uh, you know if uh, he had he it was so I can't even remember now it was like a it was like a little poem, but if if you come down there and break down, you you've lost because you now you've given that guy an out to run out of it. You have to attack a wide receiver. Did, as he said. did the poems? So these are Kevin. Did the poem uh, start? Roses are red, violets are blue. No, I did not start that way. But it was pretty good. I remember. I'm just shaking my head at Barry right now. I'm just shaking it. Kevin, see, here here is the thing for me, and I guess this is where I go on a screed, is I I just don't feel like having watched this Charlie Strong tenure take place, I don't feel like at any point in time has he had the entire support to change the culture at the University of Texas. I hold the donors responsible for that. I hold the fans responsible for that. I hold the administration in large parts responsible for that. And I think he has not been put in a position to be a successful CEO because he's constantly having to assuage the donors and try and make the fans happy. And as you said, those players in the locker room, your words, they love him. They want to play for him. 
But I think when you've got to constantly devote energy over here and energy over here to just get people to say, hey, we're going to give you a fair shake and we're going to give you a fair chance, I think you're putting that coach in a position to not no. succeed. Evan, you, you just used 2,000 words and didn't, hit, and didn't hit the nail on the head. The question is, the recruits, has he brought in the right players? Has he brought in the best possible players? Has he brought in the bluest of the blue chips? He's had some good classes. Uh, the last couple have been have been considered good classes, uh, and he's and supposedly has on track to to have another one. Uh, you know, I don't. You know, he's not he's not having top two, top three classes like mm-hmm. Mac had in his prime. But Mac but also really Mac also that. didn't have to deal with the level of the SEC coming in here and recruiting that Charlie does because of the presence of A and M in the SEC. Well, that, that, and that's absolutely true. And so, and, and we've nothing got a is, lot of different things going on here. Nothing is ever the same. You cannot compare, you know, it, 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 it's unfair to compare the Daryl Royal administration to the Fred Akers administration to to the Mac Brown era, era to this. And things change and the dynamics of college football change. And nobody at any point in time has said, all right, let's get on board behind this and let's give this guy an opportunity to succeed. And from from my perspective, I think that's I, I I think he has been put in a position that his that that the odds are against him. I I I think probably that's the case, but you know it's hard to tell. As I said earlier, what we're hearing is you, you see national media quoting some uh, Texas official anonymously saying that uh, I don't think Charlie Charlie won't get fired during the season. Right. You know. Well, the joke around Austin yesterday was that. Which one are you? Which one are you quoting? There's 50 people you could quote to right. say that. Right. And so and so, it's not really. We don't really have a good handle on all of that. And I'm not. And you know, I think the problem that everybody sees with Texas is that everybody wants Texas just to to to, to turn that corner and then keep going. They want Texas. To, they want 2005 over and over and over again, and it just doesn't right. happen. I mean, it, it doesn't. You know, Alabama is the outlier. They are the outlier. The rest of well, college. Well, you look at what's happened. What's happened at Auburn? You know, I mean, oh. you know, the one at one point they were the darling of college football, and now they're not. Right, so, but I you, mean, you, you, know, you, you will never. Does flip. I mean, look at FSU. You, Two years ago, they were the national champions, Evan, and they you, could do you no will wrong. Never get anybody in Austin to to think that we cannot be compared to Alabama. Well, they 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 people Longhorn fans consider themselves on a par. With Alabama, well, in, in Longhorn the, fans need to wake up, well, because it's just well, not the case. I, it, not, I'm sorry, it's not. It's it's not the case. And and quite frankly, I mean, Alabama has the Bill Belichick of college football coaches and Nick Saban, so they they have right. they have everything going for them. Nick Saban has total control, as you know, as Tim Brando said on here last week. They have Nick Saban has total control of that program. They fully support him. There is anybody looks at Nick Saban the wrong way, he's going to have them vaporized. And nobody at Texas has that. You have to make so many factions happy. And if you're constantly trying to do that, your attentions and your your efforts are, A, not going to be as focused as you'd like them to be. And also, there's going to be people whispering and, and, and getting in other people's ears that, that constantly put fires out there for you to have to put out. It's not a recipe for success. And I think a great number of college football programs deal with this. LSU dealt with this. 
LSU made a huge mistake in, in how they handled the Les Miles things last year and this year. And, Kevin, we could be sitting here – we could be sitting here the last week of the season. You just talked about the possibility that they lose to Oklahoma and then run the table. Well, their last game of the year is TCU. So let's say they go into the TCU game 7-4, and four, right? Right. And so then Charlie Strong's job potentially hangs on whether they beat – one game, the end of the year, do they beat TCU and get to eight wins and go, you know, go to a little bit more prestigious bowl, or do they finish seven and five and they they can them? Well, I think what's going to determine Charlie's job at that point if he if he's seven and four going into TCU job and he and let's say he loses that game, so he's seven and five. I think what the what the base will decide is, and what the president, and the athletic director will have to decide is have have we lost the fan base? It won't be a question of how many games Charlie won. It would be a question of, we don't want to have happen to us what happened to LSU. LSU brings back Ellis, uh, brings back Les Miles when it looked like, you know, he was going to be fired. And then they bring him back, and then boom, it, it goes bad, and they have to find him midseason. Okay. And nobody wants to fire a coach in midseason. Uh, 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 so you have to decide if it's, if it's, if it's gone too far down the, the stream. But here's the thing. I don't know that. I don't know that the president and the athletic director can determine that or not. Of, of, cor- uh, of course, you guys, you guys are being Pollyanna about this. What happens if they go in, get blown out by Oklahoma this week, and everything falls apart? After well, that? if everything falls apart, then you you have a you have a case. But the thing is, you have yourselves, I think, to blame for the way this three year tenure has taken place. Yeah, I think there's a possibility. If they, let's say they get beat. 55 to 10, you know. Uh, I, I think there's a good chance that, that uh, they fired Charlie the next week. Uh, you think they'd fire a midseason? You, you do think they'd fire a midseason, two and a half years in? I, I think they could if it was that bad. I think that there would be – that it's possible. But as I said – you know, it's such a uh, a tight lip group now with uh, with Mike Perrin and Greg Fendus, and and we don't know who the power brokers are outside. It's hard to tell. I'm just saying that given everything that's happened up to this point, if there was a blowout uh, in this game, which would be another game where they gave up 50 plus points, right. uh, then I, I think that it's certainly possible that that could happen. I don't think it should happen. I think Charlie should, as, as we said earlier, I think Charlie should get four years. No, let me say this. We spoke, we've talked now for 30 minutes. We have not said one thing about the A&M uh, Tennessee game. Well, no, you, we're going to get to that now, okay? Uh, we, we've got to okay. almost get ready to go, Evan. Shut up, Barry. No, we have to. We have we have a list. Somebody's got to keep this train on the track. Well, Kevin, what do you what do you got on a on a And M? I mean, I you know, Brando said last week that it's very possible that A and M rolls into that Alabama game undefeated, and you know, with a chance to win the SEC West. I watched well, painfully watched the last twelve seconds of the Tennessee game uh, on on Saturday. This is a team that constantly falls behind. Uh, is A and M in position? to go out there, beat Tennessee, make another statement, and put themselves in position to have a showdown? And do they have a legitimate shot if they get into that situation with Alabama? Well, they're at the point uh, where Kevin Sumlin has been several times this year when he gets to five wins. Uh, and and everything's always looking pretty good when he gets to five wins. And then right. it's the second half of the season where it's gone sour on him a little bit. Um, and I think that this team is better positioned than any of the previous ones because of two things. One, because of the quarterback. Trevor Knight has not been great. Uh, he is not a great quarterback. He's not very accurate. Uh, but he is a nice runner, and he does have uh, the uh, the backing of his teammates. Uh, he is a leader at that position. 
And that's been very important at A&M, where they've had a lot of problems since Johnny Manziel left. They couldn't ever get anybody to to not only run the you know the position, but also to be considered a leader on the team. So he's he's pretty much solved that part of the equation. The second part of the equation is that their defense has been very good. Now Miles Garrett didn't play last week. Uh, I don't know yet if he's going to play this week. Uh, you know he may, he's a difference maker. Uh, and that defense has been very good, especially against the run. They did such a fantastic job against Arkansas uh, stopping the run. So I, I think they have I think they have a better chance than anybody else in the SEC of beating Alabama. Now, will they beat Alabama? I don't know. I think that's a tall order. Uh, but I, I think they have a better chance than anybody else. But let's... If they go into that game, and, and that, that's the only – if they go in that game undefeated and they lose to Alabama, is that really a, such a bad thing? I mean uh, – No, I but you don't win the West that way. Game. You don't win the West and put yourself in the playoffs in the playoff scenario. I mean, if we're talking about the playoff scenario, it's going to involve having to beat Alabama. I think it oh, is absolutely. a given. I think we both are of the mind, and it is a given that they smoke Tennessee this weekend. No, I don't know if they smoke them. I think they. Oh, I think they, they smoke they them like a brisket. Really? I, yeah. I, Give I, us a score. Wow. I, I think they win by two touchdowns. Um, I, Tennessee has constantly fallen behind. They're playing on the road for the second straight week. They had that incredible hail mary finish at the end of the Georgia game to give them a win. I'm not impressed by Butch Jones, and I think that this team has a letdown this week after two incredibly emotional come-from-behind wins against Florida and Georgia. I think ten- I think Tennessee loses big at Kyle Field in college. I want to know what you're smoking if you if, if you think that. I, I don't I don't think this A and M team, uh, Kevin Sumlin's teams, have never shown a killer instinct. And, and uh, I, yeah, I, I think that's probably true. Uh, you know, it'd be interesting to see how they do this week. I, I think they, I think they're getting there. They need a they need a win that can help them. You know, we keep talking about you know Texas and Charlie's turning points, and we always thought he was having one, and it turned out he didn't. Uh, I, I still think that we're kind of looking for that one thing. I, I think this is the week. I think they beat Tennessee, uh, and if they beat them, as Evan said, fairly convincingly, I think that that is a turning point for them. I think it convinces even them that we, we're for real. But we can really compete with these teams. Uh, beating beating Alabama is going to be a different deal. But I, no, I don't think A uh, and M gets to the CFP this year. But uh, I, that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's a hard thing to do out of the SEC. Uh, and, and as a way of looking right now, um, I, I, I think we're already seeing the the, the CFP locked up. I, I think Alabama's going to be there. I think Ohio State's going to be there. I think uh, either uh, Clemson or uh, I think Clemson's going to be there. And I, and I think it's possible if Houston beats Louisville that Houston gets the fourth spot. Uh, yeah, so, it's possible. Uh, now you, so you're uh, saying that that uh, you you will let's put it this way let's let's make, let's say a Big Ten team TBA right I mean because right you've got yeah, the, yeah, it's not Ohio State that it's, it's going to be the Ohio State Michigan winner. Can, can it be both? Can no. they both go? I don't think. so. Why can't they both go? Because one of them's going to lose. Because the where, okay Michigan plays Ohio what State in a very close game right. You pick the winner. I don't care. If Ohio, let's say Ohio State loses by two, mm-hmm. you're saying Ohio State is absolutely out of it. I think. I, I, I think when you lose that late, it's really tough. Especially if Houston's uh, sitting there undefeated and, and they had just right. be, they've just beaten Louisville. Right. And if Houston but doesn't beat, what, what about the Pac-10? Are we going to just eliminate Washington? Pac, yeah, Pac-12. I think so. Pac-12. I, I think the Pac-12 is Pac, Washington has played well, but I think that Pac-12 is still. 
wide open, and and those teams just tend to trip up at some point in time during the year. I, I think like that the, the Pac-12 total. would have been. I think the Pac-12 would have been better off if Stanford had won uh, and kept it going. Um, I think that there's a little bit of a, you know, it, it has a rep, more of a reputation recently than Washington does, and it got the a guy who's a Heisman Trophy contender and all that. So I, I think that would have been better for the Pac-12. I thought they had a chance at one point, and they and they may still. If you know, let's say if Houston loses. Then I think there's a, then there's a good chance that you know that Washington gets it if they stay undefeated. And, and we'll leave with this. Look, if Washington loses, as I I, I just kind of think they will somewhere along the way, and if by some chance Louisville beats Houston, then you're sitting there potentially with those four teams, the la- four unbeaten teams. The last team that loses is Michigan at that point in time to a number one or two ranked team. All of a sudden, then I do think you do have to consider the possibility that Michigan gets in. But or, I just, or let me just flip it on you because Ohio State is a sexier team. What if Michigan wins by one, a couple of points? Uh, again, yeah, it's, it's uh, possible. I just think it, you know they, they, they take enough grief as it is for everything they do. I think that people would look at it like, man, you're taking a team that just lost. Um, you know, I, I just think that you know when you lose, as everybody knows you lose early. It's always better. Uh, there, there's going to be somebody, you know. I, Wisconsin lost to Michigan, and you know what if they run the table here, which they very easily could. I I, I don't know. I, but but I do think that a Big Twelve, a Big Ten team is in the playoff. Oh, uh, no which question. one it is, I'm not sure at this point in time. My question would be: Could there be two Big Ten teams? Kevin, um, so are you? Um, uh, when are you coming home? I'm coming home today. Are you, Are you going to be at the ballpark tomorrow? Uh, uh, I might. I might. might? I'd love to see you there, Kev. You know, it'd be great to be back. You know, I haven't been out to the ballpark since July. You realize that? Because of vacation and the Olympics and then other stuff that happened, including me having the Rio crud. I have not been back to the ballpark since then. It's it's ridiculous. Well, you know, Kevin, it's a good, if you're going to miss the ballpark, probably sometime between July and August is is a good time to, to miss it. But... If everything goes well in five years, that won't be such an issue anymore. Wow, no kidding. All right, well, I got to go. They're having a press conference here. All right, well, go say hello to Lyle Levitt and Robert O'Keen down there for me. I'm sure they're still in school, and uh, we will talk to you soon. Beautiful. See you, boys. See ya. Hope he, hope he visits the Dixie Chicken also. It's a favorite of mine. That's great, Barry. Do you have any final thoughts? Yeah, my final thought is what is with you today? What? You're so negative. You're wearing black. I wasn't negative at all. I was very supportive of Charlie Strong. I feel negative vibes coming this way from from your side from your side of the. There, there's the nothing studio. wrong because let me tell you something, Barry. My wife made a challah for the she, holidays. For the holidays, she made two challahs, and they they were fantastic. Were they were they better than than all that food you've been eating out at at the ballpark? Far better. Far wow. better. Yeah. Could they sell it for twelve dollars a for twelve dollars a loaf at the ballpark? Twelve dollars a loaf. The ballpark? Nothing goes for that low at the ballpark. <laughs> the hamburger with a two pound hamburger was twenty seven bucks, and that's ridiculous. But it, it will feed four people, and you wouldn't want to try and eat that thing by yourself. Uh, I think everything at the ballpark that we saw was well. The tamale dog, I think, was twelve. Twelve bucks. I, th- I think so. Yeah. I think that was twelve, and everything how, how went up. How many bites from there. did you take out of that? I took two bites of the tamale dog, and you know what? I'm not a big tamale guy, but it it, it did work well. I, I, I it worked. It, it to me, it was it was a Mexican uh, corn dog. It worked well. 
so we I just want to make sure we rushed Kevin Sherrington off the podcast so we could talk about Hala and Tamale Dogs. We're, we're a multicultural podcast, Barry. So, so uh, you, what happens if Tennessee loses by 12 points or more to Texas A&M this weekend? I will send you my wife's challah, and then you'll know what challah tastes like, good challah tastes like. You'll buy me lunch. That's All what right. you will I'll do. I'll buy you lunch. Okay. You will buy me lunch. Why don't we start, why don't we start a restaurant? Challah's are us or something. No. Um, all right. So uh, I think it's time. Tommy? We don't want to tell everybody what other podcasts we have going today. I guess we do. Okay, we have we have the Rangers and the playoff preview. I think I think we might have Dennis Eckersley on with us for that. That'd be great to talk bullpens with Dennis Eckersley. Yes, um, and one run games, uh, and then on the Cowboys, who's our Cowboys guest today? Uh, John Machoda. John Machoda. We will talk about. We will talk to John Machoda. We may have an appearance by Jason Garrett as well. He 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 has said he he's thinking about coming on. So we he's taking it day by day. I think it's a process. Um, so all right, uh, Tommy. Thanks for listening to our College Ballsy podcast. Don't forget to subscribe via iTunes. You'll get new episodes every week. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, sports fans. See you. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.